We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. And on tonight's episode, I'm going to be joined by the one and only Derek Kramer from iPacers Blog. Derek, what's going on, man? I'm feeling good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And this is our first time doing a pod. I've been a fan of your work. And, you know, I think uh, I, I want to say that I actually did you make the George, uh, not George Hill, uh, the, the Glenn Robinson third shirt where he was dunking over PG Boomer and the, and the cheerleader? Yeah, that was my... Uh... That was my big, like, most successful shirt that I've had. Yeah, I, I actually own that. I have it in the long sleeve royal blue. Yes. And, uh, and so I've, I've noticed that you put some more out. Um, you had the T.J. Warren bubble one and then the Holiday Brothers. I mean, were those, were those flying off the racks? Uh, they're, they're doing surprisingly <laughs> well. Honestly, my goal was just uh, when I first – the first one that I've done in a long time, my goal was really just to – sell enough that it would pay for my own <laughs> so I just nice. wrote yeah um, so it's it's worked out I'm, a, I'm enjoying it's just a little little side thing that i like to do yeah no i think it's great it's really awesome i have to ask though why do you not put the faces on there uh copyright oh okay is that really a copyright yeah like i i can't use somebody's likeness um without okay. their permission so I don't, I, I'm walking, I walk a fine line because I, like, I can't, I can't <laughs> use logos. I can't use, uh, like faces or anything. So I do what I can and still some sites are like, still like crack down on you because they don't want to take any chances. And I completely understand that. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I was, I was just curious. I figured it was something important, but it is also kind of cool just to see the outline of them as well. But, um, anyway, today we're going to be talking about these, you know, these next three preseason games that are going to be coming up, you know, kind of expectations for the season, a little bit of a season preview, kind of get your thoughts on everything. And I guess first and foremost, we probably need to start off with the TJ Warren news that we heard today, uh, the plantar fasciitis that has been bugging him. I think that also goes back to the bubble. He was suffering with that a little bit. And we know Sabonis was kept out of the NBA uh, return restart because of that. So how big of a how big of a scare is this for TJ Warren? I mean, it's definitely a huge loss. Um, week to week, it's so hard to predict how long that's actually going to be. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a good thing, at least, that they didn't give a straight, like, he's definitely out for at least four weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there's still some hope there. Um, you know, the, 
the concern with Warren when he came was how many games he missed with the Suns. So hopefully, uh, we barely missed any last year. Hopefully, he can come back quickly. No, that's a good point. You know, I, you kind of forget about all the injuries that he had in, in Phoenix, which kind of led to his dismissal there just because he was unable to stay healthy. And I know a lot of Pacer fans were really excited to get, get him for nothing, you know, to take on a second round pick as well to get him uh, for just for nothing at all. But it's uh it's uh it is a little bit of a concern because that injury, we definitely need TJ at his, at his best because that's when the Pacers are at their best. But uh, let's just start at start at training camp. What are some of the things you've seen from Coach Nate Bjorkren and, and the guys that you've liked? Uh, like everything out of training camp just like seems so joyful. It's like such a I don't know. It's just everything's a breath of fresh air with New Nate. It feels like like I think the players feel like that. Um, just like I love the training camp belt thing. That's like my favorite thing in the world. Oh, like, me too. <laughs> I need a reality show that like just follows who gets that belt every day and yeah. why and like who got close like I need to know everything about that no I'm following that very closely I think the belt is awesome and I I think one thing that we've really seen a lot from these players is just how excited they are and I feel like you know nothing against Nate McMillan but he was just one of those guys that you know he's known as a Sarge and they've got a new modern coach in there and I think this could really you know flip the flip the way the Pacers approach this season yeah and you see it you see it all the time where like teams go the complete opposite direction of what they had before. And like, that definitely seems like the case from old Nate to new Nate. Yeah. Um, And and I was going to say, doesn't it kind of feel similar to how Toronto moved on from Dwayne Casey? It's funny you say that because like, I've been, I've been saying it for years. You can probably find tweets in my history where uh, I've said, like, I think Nate McMillan is, uh, the Pacers, Dwayne Casey, or Nate McMillan is the Pacers, Mark Jackson, and they need their Nick Nurse or they need their Steve Kerr. Um, mm. I I think it's the talent level is obviously different. I don't think the Pacers are going to make that big of a leap that those teams did, but uh, we'll see. I think that's a, a very apt comparison. Okay, well, let me ask you this because you said you don't think they'll take that big of a leap. Now, in terms of leaping, I mean, the four seed was pretty good last year. Are you talking leaping regular season-wise or playoff-wise or just as far as maybe team development? I just mean, um, like, I don't think they're going to make the leap as far as, like, Nurse and Kerr both won championships. Like, right. right so I don't think they're gonna, he's going to do that. Um, I think the hope is just to get it out of the first round right now, mm-hmm. uh, which is still going to be tough because the East is getting better. Um, obviously like teams are getting healthier, got different, lots of different things going on. Um, but I, I, if they win a game in the playoffs, it's already, uh, that feels good at this point. Yeah. So where, where do you see the Pacers finishing? I guess uh, not to like just jump all around, but I'm just curious because I've asked a lot of people this question, where do you see the Pacers finishing in the standings this year in the Eastern conference? Uh, right now, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say between five and seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. And unfortunately, I'm a little bit – I'm not down. I just think the East is really good. And I feel like the Pacers, roster-wise, talent-wise, compared to some of these other teams, I mean, is there any team that – like, I guess since you said five to seven, who else would you have in that tier from five to seven? Oh, uh, I need to look at the <laughs> the group of teams. <laughs> Uh, so I don't leave anybody out. Um, but uh, 
that tier. I mean, I want to see the Nets play together and know for sure what they're like. I mean, Kevin Durant hasn't played in so long, and like Kyrie's been kind of a a mess at the last few places he's been. Right. Um, so, like, I want to see how that chemistry works out. It's a it's an interesting. Like, I think the Pacers could finish higher than that if everything goes their way. It's not a great start when Warren's already hurt. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out for sure. Yeah, that's a good point on the Nets too. I mean, Kyrie's such a such an oddball. It's kind of – he's a wild card. It's hard to predict what he's going to do. You know, I, I think this Eastern Conference, though, is a lot better. I, I think the Wizards did get better getting Russell Westbrook. I know there's a lot of people that hate Ru- Russell Westbrook, but I, I think if you can add a guy that put up 27 points last year, was an All-NBA player, was an All-Star, I mean, whether you love him or not, I think that he can still – he still makes Washington much better than they were last season, and they were a nine seed last year. So I think, you know, how close are they to the Pacers? I think it's probably closer than people want to want to say, but I still think the Pacers overall are the better team. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I think the Wizards got better with Russ. But as, as he gets older, I just wonder how long he can, like, play like he plays and it still be uh, positive. Like, his, his efficiency is already not great. So mm-hmm. how long is that going to last the older he gets? Yeah, how old is he right now? Like, 31, 32? I can't even remember. Yeah, I know he's I know he's getting up there, but yeah, I'm not sure on his actual age either. Right, right, right. So, okay, so everything that happened this off season, we were supposed to, you know, find you know Vic and all that stuff that came out about him. You got all the Miles trade rumors going on, and that nothing nothing happens. The Pacers bring back the same team. Uh, what is your take on Vic heading into this final season? Russ is 32. I went ahead and looked it up. Oh, he is 32. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Victor, I don't – I just can't figure him out. He's such an enigma to me right now. Mm. Um, I, 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 I want to see how he does this year. I have no idea how he's going to look. If he's mm. going to get anything like to where he was in that magical 2017-2018 season – um because even before the big injury like he wasn't the same even before the the quad injury so um yeah I want like a I'm glad he seems positive and with the coach and everything and that they're connecting that seems great it would be a huge boost like that that's how they get higher than that five to seven is if Vic is the old awesome Vic that he was a few years ago yeah, I agree with you. I think Victor, you know, I said this yesterday after looking at ESPN's rankings, they had Brogdon ranked the highest and then Sabonis ranked third highest and Victor was in between the both of them. And, you know, I think if you look at last season, I think Sabonis was by far the best pacer overall throughout the entire season just because it was just solid consistency from him. But he was, you know, used at a very high rate. I do, I do know that. But I think if you're looking at this team, like the team that or the player that has the most talent, to, to peak at that level is Victor. And if the Pacers can get any kind of form of 2017, 2018 Victor back, you know, playing in a new system playing in a modern style offense with a, a better, I personally think that this is a better group of players around him. I mean, this Pacers team, that's where I think they could be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's their biggest chance for a, a leap beyond just playing more, more modern basketball using, 
like Miles is, I think role is probably going to change the most out of the, well, maybe the most out of the players just in terms of he's going to be spacing way more often and the offense should have way more space. And we'll see how he does with that. Um, but yeah, Victor's the the key to whether, yeah, whether they can increase that five to seven range or not. Yeah, and see, I think Miles Turner this this upcoming season is going to be really a not a make or break year for him, but I think it's going to be a year that kind of allows him to play that modern center role that a lot of fans have been clamoring for for the the past three to four years, you know, uh, since McMillan kind of took over, and I guess. Well, you know, I've talked to different people on the podcast and some people said, watch out for Turner. I think, you know, that's who Bjorken could really unleash. And then, you know, I've heard some people say, I think they should have traded him. But then, of course, he comes out and talks about how he watched a lot of film from Serge Ibaka and Chris Boucher. And those were two guys that were, you know, more bench players for Toronto. I don't necessarily think that Turner is going to be a bench guy, but I do think that he could get some more run on his own separated from Sabonis. Do you think that even though like he probably will get the majority of the starts, do you think that maybe playing that six man could benefit him uh, not being crowded on the floor with Sabonis and allow him to be more used uh, on the offensive end uh, with that bench unit? I mean, I think, I think even if they start together, most of their minutes will be apart. Uh-huh. I think they'll be staggered a ton um, whether or not they start together, which I think likely it seems very unlikely that uh, he's going to start the season without doing that at least. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if coming off the bench necessarily uh, would really help. I think just, I think having a coach that's going to tell him you got to shoot the ball when you're open instead of you need to reverse the ball or like, that's just not what he does. If he's open, he should shoot it. Like that's what he's good at. Like people forget like, Larry Bird once said he was the best shooter on the team, and Paul George was also on that team. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think what he does, he needs yeah. to just shoot the ball with confidence. If you tell him to do that, like I think he'll be a lot, a lot. It'll look a lot better on offense if he plays with confidence. Yeah, I, and I've noticed that when Miles plays with confidence, he's a totally different player. When he gets inside his own head a little bit and kind of gets down on himself, that's when you see him overthinking things and not playing his best level of basketball. I thought, you know, aside from game one in the playoffs against Miami, those next three games, I thought Miles looked really well against, you know, Bam Adebayo. This is somebody that just got a max contract. And and Turner played, you know, very well against him. I mean, I don't feel like – I didn't feel like Bam just dominated him for those last three games, and I felt like Miles did a good job. And so, yeah, I I guess my only concern with, you know, him starting is – where does he get those shot attempts? You know what I mean? Because if you've got so many other guys that need to have the ball in their hands, I understand that he's got that green light to shoot and they want him to shoot, but you know, how many opportunities are going to be there for him? And I don't think necessarily playing some more minutes with a, a different unit would, would hurt him. I think that maybe getting him an opportunity to get more in an offensive rhythm by getting more shots, getting more involved in the pick and pop would benefit his confidence. I mean, I, I agree completely um, that, yeah, he, he's not going to get a ton of shots with the starters. Um, but um, like I said before, like they'll be staggered. He'll have his, he'll have his moments where he's not going to be sharing the floor with Domas and then it'll probably be um, like, he'll, he'll be the more of the center instead of the stretch power forward on offense. Um, 
like his I wouldn't ex he's, his usage rate is not gonna like dramatically climb. I think it's just a matter of whether he's more efficient with his with the looks that he gets and he doesn't pass them up when they come to him like he did uh, far too often on the outside last year. No, and I, I agree completely with that. I mean, I'm ready just to see Miles put up as many threes as he can get in the game because, I mean, when he's hitting from out there, it just opens up the floor for so many other people too. And with his rim protection, having him be, a, you know, that, you know, important on both ends of the floor is really going to open up not just his game but the rest of the team's game. So um, I guess, you know, this will be a good matchup for the Pacers Going up against Cleveland, they got two games uh, this coming week in the preseason to kind of, you know, get their feet wet in the new Bjorken system. And we've seen it, you know, Andre Drummond, it's been a nightmare for the Pacers, specifically Miles Turner and Sabonis, trying to stop that man. He has his way with the Pacers. And I feel like Kevin Love, aside from the playoff series where Thad Young, uh, Thad Young played really well on him, he, he put up some pretty big numbers on the Pacers last year too. So I feel like this is a really – nice precursor to kind of see what the Pacers bigs look like in a more modern style of offense and defense against two of the better big men in the Eastern conference. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm so excited to have basketball back. Oh, like I know. Watch the game. It hasn't even been that long. And I was, it's still just like so exciting that they're already <laughs> back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, I don't know what the Andre Drummond, it's just, it's great. Like he puts up those kind of numbers against a lot of teams. He just seems to, his teams have gotten more wins than they usually do against the Pacers for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, I know. It's awful. And Luke Kennard, I felt like he was a Pacers killer as hey, well. He's out in the West coast. Don't we see him twice a year now? Oh, I know with, with PG, <laughs> our, our beloved Paul George, you can't stop talking about us, but we're not going to get into that because I, I feel like that is just a repeat conversation that he's already had before I don't know why he keeps talking about it makes zero sense but but yeah so I mean I uh I feel like in this preseason game are there what are the I guess what are some things you're looking forward to seeing in these preseason games just besides that we finally have basketball back so the like it's our first it's our first look at what the Pacers are going to look like on both ends of the floor mm -hmm. they're not they're not especially defensively like like new Nate's been talking about how much they've been focusing on that end they're not playing the same way they have been for the last uh, decade, decade and a half. Like it's been a long time since they've done anything any other way on that end of the floor. So I'm looking forward to seeing how things are different there, how much they're switching. Uh, what, uh, what are the bigs look like when they're on a switch, if they do switch that much um, in this first preseason game. I want to see offense like they keep talking about all this movement and I know they haven't like really fully implemented. It's hard to fully implement a full system in a week, but just what, what's new is, is there really a lot of weak side movement uh, instead of people just standing around in the corner, the whole play. Like there's, there's so many things that I'm excited to see because like the new coach is just like, there's so much that's new. Yeah. I'm excited to see all of that. I'm excited to see like, how they look playing zone because I'm sure they're going to play some zone this year. Uh, I think it'd be kind of interesting to see if you put any kind of press in just because I feel like Bjorken would do that. And then the um, out of bounds plays. I mean, the Pacers sideline out of bounds plays have been some of the worst and the most predictable. I mean, I think we ran the India play like 15, 20 times last year to try yeah, to get I, a show. Up. 
I want to make a prediction for this first preseason game. Whatever, if they have to, if they have to run a last play in this preseason game, they're not going to run it twelve times this year. <laughs> that's my prediction. Well, that, that's I, I'll I'll take you on that prediction. I think you're going to be right on that one. I I mean that was uh, that was hilarious because I understand that like that Kings India game was so much fun to watch um, when that happened, but then I could not believe that we continued to run that every single time with and it never worked again it only no. worked in the preseason in india and we we never even barely ever even resulted in like a shot attempt it felt like uh, uh, name mcmillan's um uh, i don't know what to call it but I, I will say it this way mark monteith was on our podcast and he said when he was hired he asked nate if he was going to bring in an offensive mind and he said no i'm gonna i'm gonna call the plays and he said I wanted to tell him, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> so when, when Monteith says that, you know, I mean, I trust Monteith with his basketball knowledge. Just, yeah. just, you know, he's been, he's seen a lot of basketball <laughs> for him to come out and just say that. I was like, okay. You know, and I, and I've kind of been what you would call a Nate McMillan truther or defender, because I was like, I don't really think he did anything that was worth firing as far as his regular season success. And then not having Sabonis. like, I didn't anticipate them beating the heat last year at all, but you know, I think McMillan's a good guy, and I mean, he's a, he's a solid coach. I just there was so much lacking there, and, and I felt that I really did want to change. I didn't like the hire when it first happened. I thought it was a lazy hire, and yep. I uh, I appreciated Kevin Pritchard and this front office doing their due diligence, going out and getting a guy like Bjorken because there's so many things like just it feels like a totally different era of Pacers basketball. Yet we have the exact same roster as we've had like the last couple of years. Yep. Like, uh, I agree. Like, Nate McMillan deserves a lot of credit for what he did with a very different roster every year, made the playoffs every year. But you also wonder, is, would Frank Vogel have done any worse than that? No, Vogel like, probably would have won a series, maybe. Yeah, so he might have won that Cavs series. We don't know. And we'll ne- we never will know that. But, uh, yeah, like, Nate, Nate did a lot of good things. No, like, he's a great guy. Um, but it is very exciting to have someone different and someone more modern and someone creative. And there's lots of good, it's, it's an exciting time. And yes, I, the hiring process between bird hiring McMillan, which was just like, I don't think he interviewed anyone. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, yeah, you're the guy. Cause I know I'm going to quit. And then Pritchard's going to take over. And I know Pritchard likes you. That's what it felt like. But to me, it felt like Pritchard was the one that kind of was hoping for that hire. Which, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, I think yeah. Bird was like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make Kevin Pritchard fire Vogel. I'm going to do it for him. And then then Pritchard can take over for me after this year. Yeah. Um, I, oh, man. Well, I, I will say this. Frank, to me, was a good coach. I wasn't upset when they fired him because I felt like he had a lot of offensive limitations. And it's funny because Turner said since he's been here, he feels like he's been running the same set. So, I mean, a lot of what Vogel ran, McMillan ran the same thing. It was successful for regular season play, but still there was last in three-point shooting, last in free throw attempts. Like, it's just like all the modern stats you look at, the Pacers were just lacking in. And so I wasn't, like, upset that they let him go, but I was really upset with who they brought in to replace him. I mean, what I will say is I think Vogel, from, from coaching in Orlando and that moment against the Raptors where he kept the bench in way too long, uh, I think that was game five. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was game five and the Pacers had a big lead and they lost it. I yeah. think all those. So lovely. Yes. That, I think all those, you know, bumps and bruises he took along the way really helped shape him 
for this team that he's coaching now with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Obviously, two superstars help, but, you know, I feel like the way he's adjusted a lot with those two guys has definitely changed, has been a lot different than how, you know, I guess you could say stubborn he was with what he did here at Indiana. Yeah, I was so, I was so, so happy for Frank Vogel. I, I was the same as you when he got fired. Like, I wasn't super uh, disappointed. I think it definitely played into, like, Paul George's upsetness with the franchise, although that's, like, the one thing he hasn't talked about, so maybe not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's just, yeah, the same. Like, it was just, like, they didn't do their due diligence to, like, find the right guy. And I felt like Pritchard really did that this time. Like, they interviewed so many people. They brought them all in for second interviews and like they kept like they kept going until they found the guy that they wanted, mm. um, which is great. Well, and what's funny is like when Bjorkman's name came up, it was only from Nick Nurse. Like Woj never had it. Shams never had it. Nobody had it besides yeah. Nick Nurse himself. That's the only time we even had a connection to him and the Pacers. And I remember I think Caitlin's the one that tweeted out Caitlin Cooper. And I actually went and watched that YouTube video that was like 10 minutes long. And I started convincing myself, like, hey, I actually kind of like this guy. I would, I would be okay with it. And then his name just kind of, like, fizzled out of the conversation. Chris Finch jumps up in there, and you're thinking it's going to be Finch. Then Dan Tony, his name kind of resurfaced when, when Doc Rivers went to Philadelphia. So I was like, okay, it's going to be one of these two guys. Um, Chauncey's name was still out there for some reason. Like, I don't even really know why he was in the consideration, but I was like, hey, he's a former player, defensive-minded. Like, <laughs> guys seem to like him. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'll be all right with Chauncey. But but then when it came out that it was Bjork, and I was like, okay, that that was the guy that was mentioned that we all forgot about. And uh, that's one thing I know with the Pacers. They're pretty in-house about everything. And so it was really kind of crazy to hear Pritchard talk about the guys that were involved in the trade rumors and how he spoke with them. And I thought Miles was very transparent as well, seeing how that he really liked his transparency and how he respected it. Yep. And we keep bringing up Paul George, but I think, I think Pritchard learned a big lesson with how the Paul George stuff went down. Like you just have to be more transparent with the players. And like, it really started that, I think a couple of years later or the, maybe the first year of that 2017, 18 team. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, it's, it's been, I think such a good philosophy for them to just really be open with the guys when they're, it's possible that you might get traded and then, like, but we still need you to buy in if this doesn't happen. And that's, I think they, I think he said he's told like a couple of players that before, and it, both trades ended up falling through, but no issues with it yet. Well, that's that's a that's a testament to how well he, how great of a relationship that he has developed with those players because it is a big deal. Like, you know, if you heard your name in trade rumors almost every offseason, eventually you'd get tired of hearing it. But if your general manager is like. Well, we're just, you know, you're in trade rumors. Like, it's just at least it's nice to know that they're being upfront with you about it. And, you know, this whole Vic thing is just kind of weird, like you said earlier. It, it's very tough because I think a lot of fans, after hearing all the stuff that J. Michael reported, and I was one of them, I was like, I don't see how this guy is going to be able to fit, in the, fit on this roster knowing all this stuff was going on. But it really does appear that Coach Bjorkren has, you know, really – gone above and beyond to try to develop this relationship with Victor to try to salvage everything that happened and everything that was reported. Yeah. I Like I ran a poll when that new stuff came out and I think like three fourths, two thirds of the fan base was just like trade him. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're, like, we're done. Just get him out of here. I don't care what happens. 
um, which is just wild to think about, like, compared to a couple years ago, like his standing in the fan base and everything. Oh, I know. And that's what's wild, too, because, like, personally to me, like, I would be shocked if he does return to the Pacers next year. Not saying it's out of the, you know, realm of possibilities, but I just feel like he's got his eyes on, you know, greener pastures in a sense. But I just – and that could be money-related, but I'm just not – I'm just not sure – what this year entails for Victor and, and what entails for his future, because there's just so much that's going on. So right now I really just want to see him do well and, and get back to the old Vic and, and just be happy again, because I feel like he's lost a little bit of his happiness. We've talked about that on this podcast a lot and, and, you know, just, just heading into this season, I'm excited for Vic and I really hope that this modern style of offense really benefits his game. And hopefully he's able to come back fully from that injury and, you know, showcase the, the skill sets that he has. Yeah, I agree. And and we see it a lot with these guys that have like those major injuries. Like it, it takes a year. Like even when they come back, they're not themselves until the next year. So hopefully makes a different injury than about anybody ever has ever dealt with in the league and come back from. So we'll see. Uh, Like, like you said, hopefully this is like, he can get back to himself and yeah, be happy again. Whether or not he comes back to the Pacers, like if he's happy again, that's great. I absolutely agree with that. So um, a couple things before I let you go here, I want to get your thoughts on the other starters. We haven't really talked too much about, and and that's Warren Brogdon and Sabonis. Um, These guys feel like the core of the team heading forward. Um, you know, moving forward, I mean, with, with those three guys, they feel, like to, they feel like they're the top three that the fans are most invested in. And so when it comes to those three players, uh, just your quick thoughts on what you want to see from them this upcoming season. With, uh, with Brogdon, I want to see if he can be more efficient this year. Um, obviously, he had a much bigger uh, – role in Indiana than he did with the Bucks when he put up that 50 40 90 mm-hmm. but his percentages just really took a dive and I want to see if in this new modern offense because um, his numbers under kid with Milwaukee were also they weren't like the crazy 50 40 90 either so maybe with a new modern offense he can get at least closer to that I don't think he's gonna he probably won't ever get there again but hopefully he can get closer to like just having higher percentages with all those things um with Warren uh, like how much of that bubble is he gonna bring into the new season like are were those pull-up threes like because that was brand new we hadn't seen that from him in a in an actual game until the bubble so is he gonna keep doing that because that like opens up so much for his game that I'm really excited to see and hopefully that injury doesn't keep him out too long I'm really excited to see how he builds on the bubble and then Domas it's just yeah, like the – I'm interested to see how he does in this new system because with Nate, he was like – he he ran everything. He was the quarterback of that offense. Yeah. So how's that going to switch up for him? Like I'm sure he's still going to be – because he just makes that offense so fluid that I'm sure he's still going to be – like have the ball in his hands a lot. But, yeah, I'm interested to see maybe if his role changes or – I do want to see him be more, a little more efficient too. His percentages dipped last year, like 5% in field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. It, went from, it went from 59 to 54. Um, so, and he was playing more against starters, so it's understandable. But yeah, yeah that's um, yeah. all of those guys. I'm really interested to see how they do with the new coach and how, how things change for them. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that stood out to me from Bjorker and talking about Sabonis is how he puts pressure on the opposing teams at the rim. And that's one of the things the Pacers really lack is just, like, besides Vic, they don't have a guy that's just notoriously known for getting to the rim and trying to draw fouls. And, you know, I think the Pacers, like I said, were dead last in free throws attempted last year. And I want to see that uptick uh, to about the middle pack, middle of the pack there in the NBA, just because I feel like if you're not getting to the free throw line, you're just making it a lot harder on yourself. And, you know, being able to get to the free throw line, get the opposing team in foul trouble will really help, you know, the Pacers overall. And it's way better than settling for a long two just because it's just not worth it. You get you get a higher volume shot at the free throw line, you know, a higher percentage, I mean. And, you know, getting to the rim is just a big thing. It puts the pressure on the defense and opens up so many more other aspects of the game. And, I mean, I'm not against the mid-range, but it's only necessary when, you know, that's what the defense is giving. You don't, you know, don't settle for it unless that's all you have. But, um, I mean, Warren is a guy that can get to the bucket, but he's not one that draws a lot of contact. And I feel like, you know, both he and Sabonis, if they can continue to expand that three-point shot, you know, similar to, you know, Miles shooting more threes, all those guys are going to be really, you know, much more improved in a modern offense. So um, any thoughts on what I had to say there before I move on? Um, like I, I think part of it for, at least for free throws for Warren, I think I love his floater game so much because it's just so, it's just like poetic and it's just an artistry that he has, uh-huh. but they don't lend themselves to free throws. Um that kind of game just he's not going to get to the foul line as much with it but you're it'll be interesting to see how much um like we know they're not going to take uh, they're not going to be among the league, league leaders anymore in mid-range attempts and how many of those guys like scoot their shirts back a few steps and take those threes more often yeah i will be interested to see how many uh three-point attempts domas takes this year just just because I'm, I'm i'm not i'm not used to him taking them very often and i feel like we could get you know a lot more three point attempts this year than uh you know in the first couple of weeks than we saw last season altogether so that's why i'm excited for that now i want to move on lastly here and close things out talking about these young guys this young core of the pacers that'll be on the bench more than likely i don't know what your thoughts are on edmund sumner and him you know cracking the rotation but we've got we've got Edmund Sumner, we've got Aaron Holiday, and of course we've got Gogo Batadze, the, the three big guys that will probably play a lot this year, and then Cassius Stanley as well. So what are your thoughts on all those young guys on the bench? I'm really excited for Edmund Sumner. Um, he's the – if you follow me on Twitter, you know I call him the hype train. Um, and it's funny, we were almost starting the preseason two years ago. <laughs> two years ago in the preseason is when that started. So like he like really showed out in the preseason um, and then didn't really make a whole lot of noise that first year that he was on the main roster and not a two way. Um, But I'm really excited for Edmund Sumner. I think he can do a lot more under new Nate. And I think he'll, he'll be a lot better about playing guys um, more often and changing up the rotation and really giving all these young guys a chance every once in a while. Um, like, I think that'll really help all these guys development too. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm a big fan of Sumner. Um, especially if he can get some consistency with his three point shot. Um, but I think he'll have more of an opportunity with the ball. I'm hoping and he won't just be like standing in the corner, like a lot of young guys did with, uh, with old Nate. 
Um, I'm really excited about him. Aaron Holiday seems like uh, seems like he's been a big hit in training camp so far. Um, like he definitely has been a good player these first couple of years. Excited to see how he does. Um, I thought something about Gogo was said he was dealing with like knee soreness for like better of a year, but his knee feels a lot better. So hopefully he looks like a more of an NBA player. Uh, like they they talked about when he was drafted, he was supposed to be like. Like he's ready to play, um, but he did not look ready to play <laughs> when right. rookie season. So hopefully, I, I love Gobe. He seems like a great guy. Uh, so hopefully they can uh, find some chances to play him and get him rolling. Because yeah, he seems he seems really fun if he can get it if he can play. Yeah, no, I'm excited about all those young guys. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for them i feel like with the way the craziness of the season is going to be going with covid and all that there's going to be more opportunities for these guys to play especially with a lot of games and a lot of you know throughout the week you're going to have to rest these guys because i don't want to see Ladipo playing a ton of back-to-backs and overexerting himself with with that injury same with brogdon a guy that you know was notorious for getting an injury pretty much every other game it felt like last season so this is something that you have to monitor, and I feel like these young guys are, are good enough. And one thing I think Sumner will be great at is just that off-ball movement that Bjorkman's really talking about, you know, constantly moving off the ball. You're going to see some backdoor screens. I think Sumner's going to slip away quite a bit and be really effective there. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for Sumner and Aaron, and it's, it's crazy. Sumner is the second longest-tenured pacer on this roster. Isn't that, isn't that wild? That is real wild. <laughs> I just like when they got rid of Leaf, it's just like it's Turner and then Sumner. And it's like, I can't believe Sumner has been a part of this team since the uh, 17 draft. So yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Yep. I know. So it is, it is a little different, but um, so as we close things out here, Derek, uh, where can people find you at on Twitter? And uh, what are your uh, final thoughts on just this upcoming season? Uh, at iPacers blog on Twitter. Um I'll just end it with this. Uh, anybody concerned about Doma shooting more threes is we not more jump shots. So like all those mid range attempts, just move those out to the three point line, everything else at the rim. That's my final thought. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I know it's, it's going to be fun. I can't wait for preseason basketball to be here Saturday. feels like I can't get here soon enough. And like I said, pl- plenty of times, a lot of people know by now, YouTube TV, Hulu, and all those great streaming networks are, you know, not carrying Fox Sports right now because they're carry their regional sports network. They couldn't have come to an agreement. So I've got AT&T TV. There's other places you can go to watch these games. But if you're looking for a new home, I would highly recommend AT&T TV. They do have it. And uh, it's a pretty nice experience. So I don't know if you're uh, struggling with that at all, uh, Derek, but that is the place that I have found to be the best solution for the, uh, for the absence of Fox Sports Indiana on those other streaming devices. It's kind of craziness how all this is, all this stuff is going on. Oh, I know. The streaming devices like those, the costs are just like skyrocketing right now for some of those people, and they're losing stuff. It's like cable. It really is. I mean, it's just turning into cable, which I knew was eventually going to happen. It was cheap at first. Everybody goes to it, and they're just going to jack the price of the cable. Like, I, I will say this with AT and T TV, they like they did give me a pretty good discount for my first year, but after your first year, it jumps up like I want to say like close to like thirty percent in price. So. Yeah. Just it's got to jump uh, back and forth since they only care about new customers. So. Right, right. And, I mean, <laughs> I have my internet with Xfinity, so I might have to switch back over to AT&T just to try to get a bundle and save myself some money, <laughs> you know, 
but uh that's that's just where it's at but anyway great great talking to you man i know we were kind of all over the place but it's uh it's exciting times to be a pacer fan agreed agreed all right everybody you can follow me at alex golden nba and make sure you're always checking out our podcast at setting the pace three and we're on instagram as well at pacers talk so until next time fans we'll talk to you later have a good day The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.